Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Guaranteed Rate Field in Chicago. It's the White Sox 7, the Indians 3. The White Sox even up the series, which means we're going to have to battle today if we want to win this three-game weekend series over in Chicago. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And the storylines from yesterday is, my God, did that game get out of hand quickly? And what a bizarre box score from the game yesterday. Uh, So let's get into it. Let's break it down and let's talk Indians baseball. So Tristan McKenzie was pitching great and then he wasn't. He, it was an unbelievable line on the day. He goes two innings gives up one hit, gives up five runs with four walks and six strikeouts. White Sox scored their seven runs on only four hits. Only four hits on the day. Indians pitching only surrenders two hard-hit balls on the day. And both of them go for big RBIs and account for the seven runs. Both of them account for the seven runs. That's insane. Well, okay, I take the back six runs, but Lurie Garcia did get the seventh RBI eventually. So, um, yeah, that's insane. Uh, That's right, Garcia's walk. Lurie Garcia's walk accounted for the first RBI. Then Tim Anderson brings in four RBIs with a grand slam, and then Garcia doubles to bring in the last two in the fourth inning. Just an insane box score. You look at this and it doesn't make any sense. How does a team score seven runs on only four hits, on only two hard-hit balls the entire day? Well, it's because Tristan McKenzie lost the strike zone. Just absolutely lost the strike zone. If we go over to the illustrator, his fastball is just its just all above the zone. He threw so many fastballs above the strike zone. And that's mechanical. If you're not finishing your pitches, that's mechanical. And the weird part was, he was finishing his pitches in the first inning. In the first inning, he starts the game off by striking out Tim Anderson on a high fastball, strikes out Adam Eden with a breaking ball in the dirt, and then strikes out Johan Mancata with a fastball away. And he is looking dominant. He is looking absolutely dominant. After Shane Bieber started... Friday night, by striking out the side, Tristan McKenzie strikes out the side. Then he walks Jose Abreu to start the second. You're thinking, all right, it's Jose Abreu. We get it if you're being a little bit careful around Jose Abreu. He then strikes out your mean Mercedes, I believe with a high fastball, strikes out out Luis Robert. You're like, all right, he struck out five of the first six hitters he faced. You're like, this guy is insane. This guy is on like a Randy Johnson 20 strikeout pace. This is insane. He walks Yasmani Grandal. And you're like, all right, fine. fine. It's all right. Keep being aggressive. Nope. Walks Jake Lamb. Walks Lurie Garcia to bring in that first run. Actually gets ahead of Tim Anderson. He's ahead in the count one and two on Tim Anderson. Now he had struck out Anderson on a high fastball. Throws him another fastball, but this one is probably not where he was aiming. I'm not exactly sure where Hedges was setting up on this one, but he throws this one middle away. 
And we saw Tim Anderson do this yesterday against uh, Shane Bieber when he threw him one middle away. Uh, Anderson handled it. This time, he hits it for a home run. 103.2 mile per hour exit velocity, expecting batting average of 850, a 388 foot home run to the bullpen in right field. And you're, you're like, what? One hit, five runs. One gosh darn hit. I'm trying not to curse too much on the show. One hit on five home, five runs. It's insane. And then he strikes out Adam Eden to end it. So, I mean, what do you take away from that? What what happened? I almost would have liked to have seen, um, seen him come out for the third and seen what a bounce back from Tristan McKenzie would have looked like at that point. Coincidentally, <laughs> for the Indians... Uh, Phil Maiden comes in to pitch that third inning, and he strikes out the side. So at this point, they've struck out nine hitters, walked four, given up five runs on nine strikeouts in three innings. If I told you the Indians pitching had struck out nine in the first three innings, would you have expected them to have also given up five runs? That is just bizarre. And of course, of course, it is the walks that end up hurting when Larry Garcia doubles in the fourth, he ends up he gives up a single and then two walks, and uh, Garcia doubling down the right field line brings in both of those walks to score. That's right. So while Robert was at first after a single, he was picked off, basically caught stealing, and uh, so then Grandal walks, Lamb walks, and then Garcia doubles both of them in. I mean, what is happening? So. All six walks end up coming into score. Six walks are seven of the runs, plus Tim Anderson, who hit the home run, would be the seventh run. So, like I said, this thing got out of hand really quick. It's a really bizarre box score. The Indians actually threatened in the fourth inning. They actually put together a rally in a fourth inning, sparked by a Jose Ramirez one-out walk. Josh Naylor doubled. Uh... Jose Ramirez does a weird thing where he misses second base, has to go back and tag it. The runners almost get held up, but the throw goes to third base. The throw is offline. Jose Ramirez is safe. Josh Naylor is safe at second. They all get lucky. Jake Bowers walks, and that brings up Yu Chang, who swings at the first pitch and hits. it only hits at 67.8 mile per hour exit velocity, but it's a bloop single into center field. It had an expected batting average of 810. So he hit it in the right spot. But, I mean, Chang, 67.8 mile per hour exit velocity. You are supposed to be someone with some bat speed and a little bit of pop. And you are just not showing it right now. At least he gets something into the box score yesterday. He gets a hit, gets two RBIs. Jake Bowers gets thrown out like an idiot going to third base. Absolutely terrible read on the play. Absolutely terrible base running. There's a split second in the game on the game broadcast and in the highlights where they cut to home plate to see the run come across to score. And all you see is Jose Ramirez's face. And I believe Austin Hedges, or or must have been Andres Jimenez, who is the on-deck hitter, because they're there trying to give a signal to Josh Naylor, who's coming in to score, you know, slide or standing. And there's a look on their face 
Like, oh no. Like, what is he doing? And they cut away really quick to see Bowers get thrown out at third base. But even his own teammates were like, oh no, there goes our rally. Like, come on, man. So yeah, so uh, that was our little threat. But then, I mean, at that point, it's 5-2. It's still a game. And then this two-run double was just... That took all the life out of the Indians. We eventually get one more on a uh, Austin Hedges solo home run in the fifth. Uh, Austin Hedges' swing looks like he can. The ball can literally do one thing. He's either gonna he's either gonna make really weak contact, strike out, or it's going for a home run to left field. It's an all or nothing swing from Austin Hedges. Maybe not the best approach from a guy who like constantly hits below two hundred. Maybe, maybe should go for a more of a contact approach. That might, that might help him out. What's he at right now? 130. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, what other storylines do we have yesterday? Well, uh, Fermil Reyes, congratulations to the Reyes family. Uh, Fermil Reyes is on the paternity list. So I'm assuming he's either a father already or going to be a father in the coming days. Uh, which means Daniel Johnson got called up from the taxi squad. They're giving DJ a chance, and not only that, they throw him right into the fire and bat him lead off, and he has nothing to show for it. But he does have two hard hit balls, so at least there's that. I feel like this hard hit ball category on baseball savant, when a guy goes over four, it's like this like it's like a little pity stat, like a little charity stat. Like, hey, just because the box score says this guy didn't do anything. Look at these two little flames over here. He actually did something. Just doesn't have any results to show for it. So we'll see if... I'm sure... I hope Daniel Johnson just keeps getting at-bats as long as Fermil Reyes is away from the team because you got to give guys chances. You can't call him up from the taxi squad, give him one start, sit him back down, and, uh, and, you know, and make an evaluation based off that. Now, today they are facing Giolito, so it's a right-hander, so there should be no excuse for Daniel Johnson not to be in the lineup. So, DJ makes his debut for the 2021 season, and also making their debut for the 2021 season is Nick Sandlin, and Sandlin has a pretty good inning. He goes one inning pitched. One strikeout, uh, I believe it was a flyout, ground out, and then a strikeout to end it on 16 pitches. It's a really nice debut for the side armor. Uh, what pitches was he throwing? Sandlin threw uh, a lot of sinkers and then mixed in a few sliders and a few changeups. The slider was definitely the strikeout pitch. That's the one he got the whiff on. Uh, the sinker, they weren't missing it. Uh, you know, five swings, didn't get a whiff on his sinker, did get two called strikes, had a 31 CSW, which is always a very small sample size for a relief pitcher. But it was a pretty good debut. I found it funny that in the highlight, they cut over to show his family, who was all in attendance for his debut. There was about eight of them or so in the stands, and they all had their cell phones out recording. I mean, that's the society we live in today, right? All eight of them had their cell phones out recording. Two of them, I think, had their cell phones in the horizontal view. So congratulations to those two people, all those vertical video people. Come on now. Uh, what, what do you need all eight people to record on their cell phones for? 
just pick one. Just pick one. Be like, hey, Sally, or hey, Jim, you're the designated recorder, okay? You record this, and then you message that video to everybody when it's done. You don't need everybody recording on their cell phones, but whatever. They're excited. They're happy for Nick, and he makes a pretty good, pretty good debut. And while he didn't have to go through the meat of the order, he did have to face, uh, he faced Larry Garcia, faced the two guys that were hot that day, Garcia who got to fly out. Uh, Tim Anderson induces weak contact from him. That's the ground out. Only 63.2 mile power exit velocity. And then strikes out Adam Eden, which I think any one of us could have struck out Adam Eden yesterday. Adam Eden's been having a rough series against the Indians. He had three strikeouts yesterday in four at-bats. So, yeah, a good debut from uh, from Sandlin. And you know what? Because of that debut and because really... Really, the Indians' offense does not have much to show yesterday. Josh Naylor did have two hits. He went two for four as the DH, two hard-hit balls. Uh, but yeah, with the pitching being the way it was, I'm giving MVP for the day to Nick Sandlin for that debut. And uh, yeah, it was it was cool to see another guy get a chance and an interesting, an interesting uh, mix of pitches here. He throws the sinker all over. He threw it down and uh, down to the right, which would be away for him. He threw it up and in for him, up and to the left. He threw the slider in a couple different positions. He actually threw a back, you know, a backdoor slider that was on the left edge of the plate. The other sliders broke down and away for him, and the changeup he also threw on the inside edge of the plate for him. Um, what's interesting? What's really interesting is I was watching him pitch, and I was thinking to myself. Is is his release different? Like it felt like on the strikeout, he really gets down into it on the slider more than the sinker. When he's trying to pop his sinker high in the zone, it looks like he actually comes up a little more from that sidearm style. And I was like, well, that can't be right. Maybe that's just my imagination. Maybe that's just the highlights going by really quickly. No, baseball savant has a chart on the illustrator tab where you can look at release point and if you look at tristan mckenzie's release point it's all clustered together same thing with maiden same thing with quantrill i mean it's a little cluster of dots not for nick sandlin for sandlin the sinker is definitely released higher than the slider by a couple inches so when he does throw his slider he really gets down into it to throw that slider I don't know is I don't know if this is just a thing for side armors or if this is just Nick Sandlin, right? I don't know if Joe Smith or any of these other side armors, Joe Smith is the only one that I can remember off the top of my head, throw from different arm slots based on different pitches. So something we'll have to keep an eye on. Will that give away his pitches to major league hitters, right? If Tim Anderson sees him really crouch into it, is he gonna know slider? If he sees him a little more upright, is he going to know the hard sinkers coming? So, yeah, it's something we're going to have to keep an eye on and see how that progresses uh, throughout Sandlin's performances. All right, but I think Sandlin might be here for a while. I think I really think he might stick in this bullpen because uh, he was pretty good yesterday and MVP for the day. All right, the other thing we got to talk about is obviously McKenzie's struggling. And we know that eventually Henches is going to get a start here. Uh, but I just wanted to go over some of the prospects that we could see. 
and let you know a little bit more about Henches. I know you've seen him pitch a couple times. He's only 24 years old. He uh, he is the 25th prospect in the Indian system, according to MLB.com. The greatest fastball is a 60. Remember, the, this is the on the 2080 grading scale, where 80 is your top score. So 60 is pretty good. They grade him as a 60 on his fastball, only a 50 on his cutter, only a 55 on his curveball. All right. They got him on a control at 45. They got his changeup at 45, and overall they have him as a 45-ranked graded prospect. Uh, he was a two-way star in the, universe, at, uh, in the state of Minnesota. He signed in the fourth round, got drafted in the fourth round of the 2014 draft. So he's been here for a while, got slowed by Tommy John. And, uh, yeah, his fastball, they say now, uh, operates 91 to 94. It can touch 96. The thinking is that if he stays in a relief role, that he could get his fastball up to 96, 98. But if he's going to be a starter, he's probably going to sit in that 91 to 94 range. Um, and he struggles with control. Uh, it's str- He struggles with control. He struggles with walks. And... Can he provide consistent strikeouts? And that is the scouting report on Henches. And I think that's probably the scouting report on a lot of minor league pitchers. Hey, they struggle with command a little bit. It takes a while to figure out this command thing. I mean, you got to remember, Henches is 24 years old. Um, Tristan McKenzie is still very, very young. McKenzie is... Only 23 years old. Logan Allen is also 23 years old. So, yeah, so a lot of young pitchers uh, for the Indians, and they're going to struggle with command. The other name you're hearing a lot is Scott Moss. He is also a 6'6 left-hander. We haven't seen him yet. He was also a fourth-round pick, but in the 2016 draft, he's a little bit older. He's 26 because he was drafted out of college, went to Florida, uh, his grade is a 55 fastball, a 55 change, and a 50 slider. Control is only at a 45, and overall they've got him as a 40. He's the 26th prospect right behind Henches. Um, his fastball sits in the low 90s. Uh, his best pitch is that low 80s changeup. And, uh, yeah, again, they say he struggles with control. He struggled with control in the upper levels of the minors. So, who knows, Scott Moss... If he comes up here, will he be able to figure out, or will he also struggle with walks? The other guy, and I can't, he's not ranked here in the top 30 prospects. The other name you're hearing at the alternate site is Giancarlos Giancarlos Mejia. And Mejia throws, this is over on Fangraphs. They have his prospect report. They've got him as the 46th ranked prospect. And they've got him as a 50 fastball. They've got him as a 50 slider with the potential for 55. They've got him at a 45 changeup with the potential for 50. And command, they've got him at a 50. So, yeah, it looks like maybe the slider is his best pitch. So it's someone we'll have to see when he gets here. He's a right-hander. He's 6'5", 240. He's 24 years old. And, yeah, I mean, he hasn't pitched above high A. He hasn't pitched even in double A yet. But because of the 2020 season and because the alternate site thing, he's on the 40-man roster, so he's an easy roster move if they need another starting pitcher. So Mejia is someone that we could see, and we don't have a lot on him right now because he's not ranked in those top 30 prospects. 
So, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see if McKenzie continues to struggle, who, if, you know, Henches seems like he's going to get Logan Allen's chance. There's probably a chance Logan Allen will be back after some work in AAA at the alternate site. But will we see Mejia? Will we see Moss? You know, who else, or could we see them stretch out Cal Quantrill and give him another chance at starting? So those are the names to keep an eye on. Those are the possibilities of who could fill out this rotation. And we knew we were going to need six, seven, eight starters to get through a season. We assumed it would be based on someone's injuries, which hopefully no injuries. But we assumed injuries would probably be the cause rather than these command issues from our young pitchers. So yeah, so uh, I would have loved to see McKenzie go back out there and see if he could have settled back down. Because remember, at this point, he had only given up one hit. He had six strikeouts uh, in the four walks. So what could he have done? Would he have settled back down or would he have continued to be wild and walk people? All right, that's all my thoughts on the game. Uh, Coming up tomorrow, we're facing Giolito. And I got to be honest, Giolito has not pitched well except against us. The only game he hasn't gotten tagged for runs yet was his start against us. Everything else has been pretty rough, including pitching on Patriot Day, that early game in Boston, that like 11 a.m. game, where he got absolutely tagged, didn't even make it out of the first inning, seven runs on eight hits, two walks, no strikeouts from Giolito. He does a little better in his next start against Detroit, six and two thirds, seven strikeouts, but three walks, five hits, and four runs, and he takes the loss in that game. So he's lost his last two starts, and he's got hit around pretty hard. So the lefties will continue to be in the lineup for the Indians today, and it's an early game. It's a 2 o'clock start over there in Chicago. All right, that's all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.